Well, hello there, everybody, as we are back with another edition of the Extra Rounds podcast on Fansided MMA and Sports Illustrated MMA. And we're going to start the show in just a minute, but before we do that, this episode of the Extra Rounds podcast is being brought to you by TestStrips.com. That's TestStrips with the Z, ladies and gentlemen, .com. Managing diabetes is your business. Making it affordable is theirs. You can sell your extra unused diabetes supplies for up to $50 per box and support a worthy cause. That cause is the fight against diabetes. Why would you have extra diabetes supplies to sell? Maybe you've switched brands of testing supplies. Maybe the accumulation and overstock of supplies over time. Maybe the unfortunate news of a relative or a significant other passing away. Whatever that is, you could turn those extra unused supplies into cash. At teststrips.com, they'll buy all major brands of glucose test strips and lancets, including AccuCheck, Bayer, Freestyle, and OneTouch. And they offer a simple-to-use, fully automated platform where individuals can submit sales orders and request prepaid shipping labels to ship your items. Once the package is received, they will send payment within 24 hours via business check or PayPal. How about that, ladies and gentlemen? They will then take those supplies. They will resell them online at significantly reduced prices, sometimes up to 80 to 90% off pharmacy prices. They do that because... They don't want these supplies to go to waste or expire, and they want to create a more affordable market for those who are not covered by insurance. What a company this is. You can learn more by going to teststrips.com, teststripswiththez.com, or calling 855-STRIPS-WITH-THE-Z-1. That's 855-STRIPS-1. Teststrips.com, Better Business Bureau accredited, A-plus rating for over five years. They are affiliated with the American Diabetes Association. They support the Wounded Warrior Project, and they have partnered up with one of the biggest sports radio stations in the country, 98.5 The Sports Hub in Boston. Test strips with a Z.com. Sell your extra unused diabetes supplies for up to $50 per box and support a worthy cause and support a just a fantastic company. Now, let us start the show. Fan-sided MMA and Sports Illustrated MMA present the Extra Rounds Podcast. Yes, exactly. Let's go get them. Huh? We're going to shake things up. Now, here is your host, Mike Hack. So today, on this Thursday afternoon, December 20th, is a perfect reason why you should be subscribing to the Extra Rounds podcast because you never know what's going to happen. Kind of teased it yesterday on the show that if we could get this Maurice Green interview that I've been talking about for a couple of weeks, we could get it reformatted. We would release it this week and we're going to do so today. I figured it out. More on that in just a second, but... Welcome back to another episode of the Extra Rounds Podcast. My name is Mike Heck. I am your host, broadcasting from our studios here in beautiful Berkshire County, Massachusetts. Only a few more times that I will get to say those words. But thank you for having us on, subscribing to the show, wherever you're listening, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, anywhere you can find your favorite podcast. So here's how this episode's going to work. Last week... And this is the reason why we didn't have an episode last week. I was set up to do an interview with Maurice Green, who is one of the heavyweights from the Tough 28 season. He had an impressive win in his Octagon debut at the Tough 28 finale. And at the last second, my wife called me and said, hey, I can't get out of work. Can you go pick up my son at school? And I was like, well, I have an interview to do. She's like, I really can't get out of work. You have to, you have to go get him. And family comes first. So I decided I got a little bit of a drive to go pick up my son at school. Why don't we do the interview in the car? Let's figure out a way to do this while I'm driving. And that's exactly what I did. I've done this before in my old show. 
We are doing carpool conversations. The first time we're doing this on the Extra Rounds podcast, we have reformatted, we have figured out how to make this thing happen, converted into an MP3, and for what it is, it sounds pretty darn good, I gotta be honest with you. So coming up next, we will chat with Tough 28 finale winner, definitely the most talked about guy coming out of season 28 of The Ultimate Fighter. We will chat with Maurice Green. Carpool conversations coming up on the Extra Rounds podcast. All right, welcome back to the show, everybody. Joining me right now is hopefully one of the new faces of the UFC's heavyweight division, of course. He was on the past season of The Ultimate Fighter. A lot of people thought he stole the show throughout the season. And less than two weeks ago, he made his official UFC debut. He picked up a beautiful submission victory over Michael Batista. Maurice Green, the crochet boss himself, joins us right now. Maurice, how's it going, man? Oh, man, it's going pretty good, man. You know, just... Getting back home, getting back to everything I was gone for a little little bit prior to the fight, training with Justin and Yuma with the coaches from the show. Uh, so, you know, just getting back, feeling what this cold soda feels like. <laughs> and where are you at right now? Uh, I'm, in, I'm, just, I'm in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Oh, yeah, so you're probably colder than we're at right now here in Massachusetts. 32 degrees here. What are you looking at in Minnesota right now? Uh, you know what? I, maybe around the same, if not a little colder. You guys... It's not too terrible. This weekend was actually pretty good, but I'm sure it's going to get cold as January, February kick in. Well, congratulations on the big win. You're you're one and zero as a UFC fighter. Now we had Leah Letson on the show last week, and she said yeah. that you know her her getting the victory there, making her octagon debut, and getting a win. She said even like you know four or five days later, didn't really it hasn't really sunk in with her that that she has a UFC win. With you, a little more time has passed since since your big win. What does it all feel like? Has it kind of caught up with you? Has it sunk in that that you got that win and, and did it in such impressive fashion? Um, you, uh, I'll be one hundred percent honest. Uh, it, it doesn't feel as good as I thought it would be, honestly. Um, and I, I don't know if it's just me, you know, just having a you know competitive nature. Like oh, I did all right. Yeah, I had a pretty impressive win. Um, but in my eyes, I have yet to fight a UFC heavyweight because we are both competing for a contract. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, I, like, I, like I said in my interviews, I wasn't wearing a Reebok fight kit. I didn't get the Reebok sponsorship money. You know, um, I made my UFC, UFC debut via the Ultimate Fighter, but, you know, I'm, my next fighter really beat my debut in my eyes. I just had to beat that guy to get my job, you know? Yeah, I know that was one of the things you, you talked about with the media after the fight. You know, it was kind of a, you called it a job interview, and you were you were hoping to get that job. Like you said, you weren't wearing the fight kit. You didn't get the, the Reebok sponsorship money. Has there been conversations with the UFC since then? Have they said you, you got the job? I mean, did, did you, with the victory, did you land that contract? Or are they still trying to figure um, things out? I haven't gotten, I, you know, I haven't been cut, so, I'll, you know, no news is good news. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Um from what I understand, you know, there's some other people that did get cut, you know, after the, after that and, uh, you know, got their walking papers. So, you know, I, I'm just, I didn't get that call. So no news is good news right now for me, you know. Um, I would like to think that, you know, yeah, they still got me on their roster. You know, I deserve another shot after, you know, finishing a wrestler off my back, which, you know. But you never know, man. So I'm just keeping an open mind. I'm just training hard and, uh, you know, I'm happy to... I feel like I'm happy to say I'm a part of UFC's roster, but to really, like, 
say, yeah, I'm, I'm in. You know, I need to go out and be one of these one of these heavyweights that that are in the UFC currently. You know, that's a that's a really professional way to look at it. Uh, one of the things I pride myself in when doing these is, especially as I said earlier, I'm driving around in the car going to pick my kid up from school, so I'm kind of just going off the top of the head. But I try not to be redundant when I'm asking a lot of these questions and interviewing you guys. But yeah. honestly. I haven't heard the story, and I don't really know what the answer is, but I have to know where the nickname came from, man. Where does the Crochet Boss come from? How did it become your fight nickname? Is there a story here? Oh, I mean, I used to go I used to go by another nickname just because people would, would make up nicknames because I was just a big guy, you know what I mean? You know how that works out? Yeah. You're a big guy, so they got these big, dorky nicknames for you, and I was like, man, I'm not about to do that, so... I went by the pirate because I used to like pirates a lot, you know, and uh, they're really ruthless. But, um, you know, through that time, I started crocheting and, you know, I've been crocheting longer than I've been fighting. And, you know, I was just I was sitting there one day with my with my best friend and, you know, he helps does my brand management. And he's like, like, bro, what if I just went by the crochet boss, bro? He was like, he looks at me, he goes, Maurice. I said, what? He goes, that's it, bro. He goes, you crochet, that's what you do, right? I'm like, yeah, I take pride in what I do. He's like, bro, you the crochet boss, bro. He goes, listen, all that pirate stuff, that's going to be fine, well, and good, but nobody's going to forget about the crochet boss because that's what you do. That's so, amazing. Um, I think, honestly, the, the name itself kind of just kind of gives you the this, this second part of me, you know? You can't get fighting without crocheting because I've been crocheting longer than I've been fighting. That's that's actually really interesting. I, I love the nickname, by the way, and you're right. And, and so is your friend. No one's gonna forget that name, you know. Even if it's like Derek Lewis, the Black Beast is fighting the Crochet Boss. I mean, I could just imagine what the posters are gonna look like, you know, a year or two down the road. Crochet Boss versus the Black Beast. I mean, that's amazing stuff. <laughs> you know, somebody grandma's gonna be like, "Can't find that Crochet Boss guy. What's his name, buddy? What's his name? I like him. He should crochet me something." Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring all those fans so they can never get turned on the MMA. There you go. Uh, I, I've had a ton of fighters come on the program who have been a part of the Ultimate Fighter. And, and, and the stories behind it, you know, the way they felt about it, you know, what they took away from it, etc. Like, Leah had a perspective being on Team Whitaker that, that she learned more about herself on the show just because she had to do a lot of her own work. She, she didn't feel like she got the training she had hoped for heading into the show. You were on the other yep. side of things. What was your experience on the show like? How would you rate it overall? I mean, overall, I mean, it, it, it's it's a 10 for me, you know, uh, because you look at what I went there to do, right? I went there to come off a better fighter. When everything's all said and done, all the bullshit aside, you go there to come off a, a, a better fighter. You want to come off being in the finale, but, you know, we all can't be in the finale. Only two of us men can. However... You can come off, um, you know, uh, uh, clear ahead. Um, you know, it made me mentally stronger. Even though it broke me during the process, it's made me mentally stronger, you know? Um, I've never gotten a chance to train like we did on the show and have so many coaches there, you know, that specialize in little different places so you can make small tweaks. We never changed anything. We got to tweak the game. And sometimes the tweaks make the biggest difference. You know, it's hard to change something in six weeks, but you can tweak it and make it that much better, you know? So um, the experience for me was a 10, regardless of the, you know, the couple of nights that I went and I had fun. Well, I didn't have to cut weight and, you know, looking back on the experience, I was on 11 of 12 episodes. 
you know, good or bad, you know, they'll remember the crochet boss. They'll remember Maurice Green, whether they say I'm alcoholic and I need AA, or the guy was having just a little too much fun a couple of times. So, you know, it is what it is. You take everything with a grain of salt. I put, I, I signed up, I signed up for that. So that's also a part of signing up to be an ultimate fighter is getting that negative you know, push back as well. You got to be ready for that. I mean, I thought from things that I've seen that it was very positive, you know, at least talking about you. A lot of people, like I said at the beginning, thought you stole the show. So what has the feedback been like from fans? You know how MMA fans can be? Sometimes they're the greatest set of fans in all of sports, and sometimes they can be the most fickle fans in all of sports. What what has the feedback been from your Uh, You know, when everything was going on with Juan, you know, nobody really knows knew what the you know what my issue was they just saw me yelling at them so i looked like a jerk but that they had to make it look like that i get it but anyway um at first it was like you know you drink too much just go ahead and have a beer with it you know they just kind of just labeled me as a like a, like an alcoholic like that's what i did i just drank the whole time but you know i said it many times does my if my coaches didn't couldn't tell by my work ethic there's I, obviously I wasn't drinking every day, people. You know what I mean? You you can't go in there and work for four and a half, five hours a day, uh, and work hard for four and a half, five hours and get alcoholic. Maybe you can, but I can't. I can't. Um, so it moved from the whole alcohol. <laughs> 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 it moved from the whole alcoholic thing. You know, he's an alcoholic. To uh, you know, yeah, you had some people that felt bad for me, um, and then once I won, you had people saying like, "He looks healthy. I'm happy." So it's Man, you're gonna get it from you'll get it from everywhere. You know, there's really, there's, yeah, I'll get it from everywhere, and there's nothing that I can do about that. You know. You talk about being, and a lot of people say the same thing. Being on that show, you you grow as a fighter, and a lot of times you grow as a person. So, what do you think the biggest learning experience was for you being on that show, and for that six weeks through this whole experience? What's the biggest thing you took away from it all? Shit. Um trying to figure out like learning what the grind really is when you want to be a world champion knowing what the grind is in a way you know with less freedom i mean i i can't say i can't say i took like personable skills and how to talk i you know i had all that shit going in i'm gonna be honest with you i had all that going in it was just you know you're living with people you've never lived with before you never had to live with before you know what i mean yeah i just think i took away having a better idea of what it knows the what what it's going to be like to train and train like you're fighting in the UFC and train like a champion would train. Did you feel like you took you took a lot of the things in there cuz you, you know a lot of people know like you have that that you're away from the outside world, there's no Twitter, there's no social media, there's there's really no contact at all outside of the people in the house. Did you feel like in a way when you walked in there and between between then and then walking out of there that some things you may have taken for granted, you don't take for granted anymore after being on the show. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. You know, when I walk, when I walked into that house, I thought when Dana White said this was going to be the hardest thing you ever had to do, I kind of laughed it off, like, all right, Dana, whatever, I get to live in this mansion. But after a while, all that shit around you, right? All that you have, whatever food you got, the pool you got, it's warm, you can tan. All that shit don't mean nothing. Because you don't have the people with you that are normally with you during camps or, you know, you don't have things that are usually constant in your camps. Um, And that's what makes the whole experience itself unique. If you don't have what you're accustomed to, so you have to adapt, keep your mental in order, keep your physical in order and still compete at times that 
Compete at what? Noon. You fighting at noon. Well, that was my practice time. Well, you got to be ready to knock his head through the window at noon. You know? So that's a very unique experience that, you know, I anybody can think don't know what it's going to be like because I thought I knew what it'd be like until you go through it. So... What was it? What was it like when you finally got home and, and and was out of the house? Did you feel like you had to kind of get acclimated again to to, to regular everyday life? Was there a part of you that's like, oh, I kind of like the structure that I had with with the show and working with those coaches? What was that like when you finally got back? Um, it, you know, I just I came back home and you're going right back to being dad again and you know family and so there was really no. Right now was the cringe for me. It was like, all right, what are they gonna show? What am I gonna see on TV? Oh shit! You know, because I was the only person who gave them anything. You know, so. And I'm not gonna say I'm the only one. I'm pretty much the only person that they air. You know, so the the experience is great. I'm happy I can wrap it up in my in my you know in my book and say I did it. It's over. That I accomplished the goal. The goal was to fight for a UFC contract. I didn't. I didn't fight for the contract I wanted, but I fought for a contract. I performed, and I finished my fight. And uh, you know, now it's on to the next one. Now it's back to get. You know, I'll be back in strength conditioning this week, and uh, you know, put this weight back on. I lost. I lost what? Since I've been back, I've lost what? Ten pounds already. That I worked hard to gain, so I gotta put that. I gotta put all that, all that, all that weight back on now. So, if the, if the circumstances were right, and there was something on the line there that that was worth it, would you? Would it have to be a lot? Would you do? Would you do it again if the opportunity presented itself? If I had to do it again, I would. Um, but if I had a choice, uh, otherwise, probably not. It, it was hard for me to be away from my kids. Yeah, I can imagine. How, how old are your kids? My daughter's two. My son's seven. There you go. And what was it like, you know, being that being away from them for that long and finally getting to see them? What was that feeling like for you? Uh, you know, um, I, Daddy had to be away. You know, I took a I took a seven for my job to chase this dream, and you know, it's either this or you go back and you punch a clock. So it was uh, important that I go out and perform, so I didn't have to go back and punch a clock. So you know, I did what I had to do. Like, my dad was in the military. He had to be gone eight months out of the year sometimes. You know, he did what he had to do for his family. So that's that's kind of where I where I put it at. I just did what I had to do, you know? Now you got in the octagon. You got your victory. It was a beautiful submission off your back against a, a high-qualified, high-caliber wrestler. You know, when, when are you looking to get back in there and, and fight Say against him? You're breaking up a little bit. Uh, I'm sorry. It's the it's the mountain the mountain life, Mo. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> I'll come back out and get your pack pack, okay? All right. Uh, a couple more things. I know I know you're driving your daughter home, and we appreciate you taking some time. So when are you looking to get back in there? Are you looking to get back in right away? You want to take some time for yourself to kind of get get through the ultimate fighter thing, just kind of let things waver? You want to get back in, in, in shape and no. put in some time? You want to get what, – what are no, you looking when at? You hot, when you hot, you got to keep kicking. You know, when people – that's the thing that people don't realize. You don't walk upstairs yourself, honey, go ahead. You know, when you're – when you're hot and you got some steam going, you got to keep kicking. And, you know, in a perfect world for me, you know, I can get, I want to get right back to work. So as soon as they give me the call, I'm sure it's going to be a yes because, uh, 
you know, I got I got nothing nothing else to do <laughs> right now. This is what I'm doing. You know what I mean? I hear ya. Well, Mo, I wanna. I, I know you got a lot going on. I appreciate you taking some time, man. Uh, before we let you go, man, uh, let everyone know where to find you and follow you on the web, social media, any sponsors, any shout outs, anything else you want to say, man. Let everybody know. Um, man, it's the Crochet Boss. Uh, you can find me on Instagram uh, and Twitter at the Crochet Boss, and that's T H E C R O C H E T B O S S. Um, and on Facebook, you can find me at the Crochet Boss fan page. Um, I have all the latest and greatest up there. Hopefully, I can announce I'll be fighting soon. Hopefully, I mean, I would have fought this month if they let me, to be honest with you. But hopefully, early January. All right, that's what we like to hear, man. All the best to you, Mo, and we look forward to seeing you back in the Octagon. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. You have a wonderful day. <laughs> All right, there you have it right there. The lost episode of the Extra Rounds podcast. Great chat with Maurice Green and appreciate his patience. It is not easy to drive around the Berkshires in the mountains. Sometimes you lose service and everything like that. But I think all in all, it turned out pretty good and it sounded pretty good. So big thank you to Maurice Green and hopefully he got the job and we'll see him in the in the octagon in 2019. And if not, you know, he's very talented. He's got a great personality and I think he'll earn his way back pretty easily. But I have a, I have a feeling he'll be sticking around for a little while and that is it, everybody. Another week is in the books for the Extra Rounds podcast. Make sure you follow the show at Extra Rounds on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter as well at MikeHack underscore JR. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to your favorite podcasts. Big thank you to the sponsor, TestStrips.com. TestStrips with a Z.com. Managing diabetes is your business. Making it affordable is theirs. And you can turn your extra unused diabetes supplies into cash up to $50 per box. Get all the details at teststripswithaz.com. All right, everybody. You guys have a great holiday, a fantastic Christmas. We will see you later on next week. Enjoy the time off. Enjoy the time with family and friends. And we'll see you next week on the Extra Rounds Podcast. <laughs>